Welcome to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast, where we desire to connect you with people, teaching, encouragement and resources that will see you and those around you restored to true humanity. Join us as we seek to help you apply the grace of God onto the details of your life. Well, welcome to the Restore Ministries podcast. My name is Peter Sondergold. I'm one of the directors of Restore Ministries. Great to have you joining us today. We are uh, in the middle of a, a series on identity and the things that kind of come against our identity and, and attack our identity. And, and our heart is to wrestle with some of the ways that this happens and then think through how we can live into the person that God's made us to be. Joining me today is a good friend of mine, Ed Welsh. Great to have you, brother. It's great to see you and hear you, Pete. Yeah. I get to see you. Not everybody else gets to see you. So, so, uh, so appreciate you giving your time to us today. Uh, we've known each other for a, a number of years now. Uh, you've, you've written a bunch of books. Can you clue people in a little bit on some of the things that you do uh, in terms of where you work? What kind of books do you write? And uh, then perhaps even more importantly, clue us into who you are a little bit more personally in terms of who you're married to and family and that sort of stuff. I'll start with the more personal first. Married to Sherry, we've been married over 41 years, and we are, at least I am learning gradually to be a husband. And, well, I should be careful with that. I feel like I'm growing gradually, and then there's usually something every couple of weeks that reminds me that I have way, way too far to go. But we enjoy each other. I love her, and I am blessed to have her as, as my wife. And we have two, two daughters. Daughters are married. Both have really fine sons-in-law. They both have four children apiece. And, and they are, one is perfect. One remains perfect. The five-year-old remains perfect. The rest of them are these wonderful rascals that yeah. keep my wife praying all the time. So, so we are <laughs> delighted to have them. Church, I'm an elder in Bridge Community Church. And I could say lots about that, but it's a smaller church. So we get to know everybody well and mm get to learn from somebody in that church every single week, and I am delighted to to be part of it. I work at an institution called CCEF, the Christian Counseling and Educational Foundation. Pete, I've been there for, I've been there for 41 years as well, mm. which means I think I should be doing things much better than I presently <laughs> do. But here's, here's what I do, and it's, it's this enviable job description, and I am so thankful for it. Mm. My basic question is how does God's Word how does God's word speak clearly and deeply to all the issues of life, especially the struggles mm. of life? That's that's my job, and I, I just can't imagine a better better job than that. And that's 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 why I'm with you this morning, just to think yeah. about that particular yeah. question. That's awesome, Ed. So uh, so good to have you on, mate. Uh, let's let's just crack open the uh, topic for today, which is uh, trauma and identity. Can you uh, clue us in a little bit to, uh, to trauma, what it is, how it interfaces with our, our identity, who we are? I'm going to move into it slowly. The first thing I thought about as you were saying that was, was trauma is, is more partitioned mm. from the scripture than most of us probably realize. When you think of trauma, what do you think? You think of the various traumas, uh, but but it would take quite a while, I suspect, before many of us wrestled with the question, well, how does God speak? How does God speak meaningfully? How does he speak persuasively? How does he speak therapeutically to, 
to the traumatized soul. And there, there, there are probably, Pete, a few different things that we'll pull out and say, that's an important one. And I think that's important. The trauma doesn't naturally mm. sort of move and just sort of slide right into scripture and fit in there and where scripture speaks profoundly. It can, but it doesn't naturally do that. So, so for us to be alert to that, I think, is a, is a worthwhile way to move into it. What is trauma? How can we locate it? Um, let, me, let me do it this way, because it might help us to get into scripture a bit. Trauma is an intrusion of death mm. into life. Mm. It's an intrusion of death into life. And that, that, that intrusion can come in all kinds of different ways. The, the, the recent history of, of trauma mostly comes out of veterans from, from wars, mostly comes out of the reports from uh, those who came out of World War I, World War II, and then subsequent wars, where almost inevitably the, the men, and especially and I say the men because in those earlier wars, they were the ones who saw a lot of the death, but I should also say the, the nurses, those who, mm. who dealt with death, they came back different. Mm. They, were, they were changed because they saw death around them. They killed, they, they, they watched that, or they saw people around them being killed. We've just recently had 9-11 remembrances here in the United States, and mm. around 200 miles from here is a town where one of the one of the planes, one of the hijacked planes, went down, uh, probably around a mile outside of this town. The they knew that plane was headed in that direction, so so this town was alert, and they were they were watching for it. They thought it was going to Washington. the The plane ended up coming down, you know, right by their mm -hmm. town. They all saw it. They saw the fireball that that went up. They smelled the gasoline. They immediately went to the location where it went down, and there was nothing. It was a full plane, and they saw absolutely nothing. The, the reason I'm saying this is because the woman describing it, she, she went on to say how she, that will always be in her mind, and she will be forever different because mm -hmm. of what she had seen. So, so trauma is an intrusion of death, and that's... That's the way the, the trauma really got started, the discussions of trauma. It's death that you have seen. But, but it's also death that you can, you can experience. I can remember a, talking to a person the day before they were going in for open-heart surgery. I can't remember how many vessels were going to be, be repaired in, in that surgery. And the person was moving into this as if it was just another day. And I was, I was utterly stunned. Mm by their steadiness in the midst of it. Yeah. I, I talked to them again, probably two and a half weeks after the surgery, when they were ready to have somebody visit them. And, and the person, one of the first things the person said is they were, they were undone by the thought that this could happen again. Because mm -hmm. now, they see that before that, they didn't have the brush with death. But now they knew the pain and the brush with death yeah, that, yeah. that that procedure could have, mm. and, and 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 they realized it it wasn't guaranteed for the next fifty years. It was was had a lifespan of probably ten years, and they're probably going to have to go through it again. And they were forever changed, remembering that brush with death that they had physically, and anticipating 
that another one was going to come up. So sometimes it's our own physical well-being that has been the brush with death. What the, the way trauma proliferates among us, however, mm. is something a little bit different. It's still the brush with death, but but now our souls have been touched by death in some way. Uh, it it could be touched by death that is a persistent sort of movement toward us by way of of discouraging and damaging and and critical words that tear down, that are intended to destroy. Words that we heard from, from, from people who were supposed to love us, that was their job. But, but what we've heard from you know, parents, guardians, whoever they might be, these words of death mm. that become sort of the natural language around us. And after a while, we pick up the words of death and we, we, we chime in with the words of death around us. That's why am I saying that's death? Because, because death is, is part of this triumvirate of Satan who, who still has, who obviously has a connection to death. That's where he derives a good bit of his power, his connection to death and, and the threat of death. So, so death, death is connected to Satan himself. He's connected to those who are confederates with Satan, those who are evil perpetrators. It's, it's this intrusion of death. Sometimes it's an intrusion by way of words. Sometimes it's an intrusion by way of deeds. Sometimes it's, it's death that has been coming at us over years and years. Sometimes it's this sudden intrusion of sexual violation or something very shameful. Shame is, shame is, is one of the features that's often attached to trauma because trauma is, is sort of tried to swallow you up in death. Yeah. That's that's where it gets its power. So there's a bunch of other ways to to identify it, but but I, I that that's, that might be helpful for us because because all of a sudden we see when we move into scripture, scripture now becomes a bit more lively because because the issue in scripture is death or life, yeah. death or life. We all have been brought into this realm of death. And Jesus comes to us and and speaks of something very very different. These these words of life to us. Pete, what do you, any, any thoughts from from that? I mean, I, I realize I'm just giving one particular mm. image, and suffering and trauma is, is is obviously very complex, and it can feel all kinds of different ways to different people. But any, anything else you want to to add to that, or any any other comments? Yeah, I'd, I'd... oh, I'm sorry. You're you're doing the interview. I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, all good. No, I value all good. your comments. <laughs> no, I mean it's uh, your comments about uh, trauma being naturally petitioned from scripture. I think uh, are very they're very perceptive, uh, and, and I think uh, when we think about trauma and then when we think about scripture, we think, uh, and this has been the case in my mind. We think, oh, how do the two connect? But then when when I read so many brutal stories in the old testament and and even just the brutality of war uh in the old testament i i end up in a place where i just go scripture cannot not talk about trauma at that level and so even though we may not be sure about what it actually is saying about trauma because we find it hard to locate i've always kind of felt like we can be sure that it's saying something about it because of the experiences that so many would have uh, gone through in the Old Testament. Yeah, and moving to identity, the it, it, to use that image of death again, 
our identity is is oftentimes tied to another. It's tied to the words of another person, uh, and and obviously where what we aspire to is an identity that is tied to God Himself. But here is the kind of identity that can be bestowed on a person who's gone through trauma. They have been connected to death. They've been connected to it. It's they they are tied to death. And so what does that mean? It means that death is death and, and all its accoutrements are so ugly you don't want to see them. So you 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 have to hide. You're, you you have to hide. You have to you have to distract yourself from such things. And by the way, the nature of identity is is that if we leave it to our the default identity, if we leave it unattended to, mm. it it will it will go dark. It will it will become a very isolated identity. Identities are not built naturally; they they degrade naturally. And and so if if our tendency is we don't even want to look at who we are, that is what has been done to us. We we won't be able to move to and and what does Jesus say to it? Because we we simply do, it, it it is too painful for us to hear. So, so I realize even even a podcast like this for some people, it it can be jarring. It can be absolutely undoing because we're asking them to look at things that they would rather not. But but the only reason the only reason we go to places that seem especially painful is because we know that there is something good in the midst of it. We are absolutely persuaded of that, and 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 perhaps that can be another important thing that we grab. It's partition. It's, trauma partitions us from the words of God, and and so they're not going to come naturally to us. As we're trying to pull out some things, Pete, that that are important, there are a couple things so far. One is that that we can be partitioned from, from the words that God speaks. Those words aren't going to come naturally to us. They're going to they're going to come by way of a sight. The other is, if the words of God don't sound good. And we're on the wrong path. Mm. the The words of God are summarized as this good news, and it's and summarized in the person and work of Jesus. It must sound good, mm. or and if it doesn't sound good, we got to turn around and go in another direction until we start hearing the good news. Uh, and we probably need help from from other people. It's got to sound good. Yeah, yeah. Can you take us more into that second part of what you're talking about there about scripture sounding good? Can you unpack for us how does the goodness of scripture and what God says speak to uh, people struggling with trauma. I'll just do the first thing that, that comes to mind. If people are listening, it means they're willing to be sort of nudged to scripture. And how can they find themselves? How can scripture come, the words of God come close to them rather than them being an observer? Well, here's, here's, here's what you're going to find that the story of scripture is that God pursues people who have been connected to death. And then the connection can be all kinds of different ways. But we get connected to death. And the story of scripture is he comes into death. He moves into death and the ugliest recess of, of death to find us. And he is committed to bringing us to life, which is to himself. That's life and himself are the same thing. That's the, the larger story that we're after. and. Obviously, it takes the rest of our lives to really enter into that story for it to become ours 
in a way that shapes present life. Mm. But, but in the meantime, what we want to do is at least know that that story is out there. This mm. is this is the gospel. You, you feel like you've been been sort of captured and smothered by death. Well, you are exactly the kind of person that the Lord seeks. They are his people. He looks in death for his people. Mm. They're the ones who need him. That's a, such an amazing, vivid image that uh, God pursues people who have been connected to death. I've kind of uh, often thought about the fall in Genesis 3 and the way that God doesn't, he doesn't sit in an armchair with his feet up on a footstool, uh, barking orders at Adam and Eve and sending them out of the, out of the garden and saying, now stay out. You know, he, um, he himself walks out of the garden with us and pursues humanity and walks alongside us even even as we live outside of the garden under the curse of death he's no. he's out there amongst amongst it with us he's pursuing us but sometimes you can get a sense in the old testament that it is a, it's a bit of a sanitary distance mm. from us um and and so so that's why those old testament stories they always have to drive us to the fullest expression of who god is yeah and and in jesus what do we find we I'm thinking of the book of John in part because the book of John, he really, he really works hard to try to, to not have us listen to the story, but enter into it. Mm. And one of the first stories he has is obviously the, the story of the Samaritan woman and the, the Samaritan woman is it's whether it's trauma or not, the details of her story are hard to know, but here's what we do know that she was far from God. Mm. She was far from God. She was, she was in Samaria. And God was in Jerusalem. That was the sense. And when you're the farther you are from God, the more intense the death becomes. And there it is. In some ways, the gospel in itself, that he pursues her. And he has, I, I, I suspect, probably the longest personal conversation in the New Testament. That's in John chapter 4. Mm. You realize, here's a scripture that most everybody who's familiar with the scriptures it knows this story of, of of John of, of the Samaritan woman, but what we want to do is, is we want those who who have been defined by trauma, where the trauma still resonates. It is part of everyday life. They never quite saw them in that story. It's all that story at a distance. But but perhaps that would be another place where where they can enter into Scripture and say, here's here's what Jesus does. Look for the word. Look for how he comes close to death. Look how he comes close to disease. Look how he comes close to people who are far, far from him. Yeah. Those are people who know something of this realm of death. Yeah, it's a beautiful picture. Where um, I'm preaching through uh, John at the moment, he does have this way of just pulling you right into it, being fully immersed in it, so to speak. When you read it properly, you don't get to just look at it as a uh, an external, unaffected observer. You get pulled right into the middle of it. Yeah, Pete. Let me let me pull that one out as well. It, you know, there are different things we're speaking about, but you, I think you just said something really very important. What what would be something a person could do if they notice that trauma partition from Scripture, mm-hmm. and they see the trauma has much more to say about their identity, perhaps than, than they realized. One of the things that they could do is they could read the Book of John out loud. Mm-hmm. They could read it out loud. And with a friend would even be better. Uh, and for example, I, my wife and I did this once. We read it out loud, and it was a completely different experience. Mm. Because when you read it quickly, 
you read it you read, you read it quickly because okay i know this part i know this part and you're looking for something to to catch you because you don't know it as well uh, but when you read it out loud it, it it accomplishes i think what john intends where it brings you into it and and all of a sudden you find yourself laughing and crying and and having mm-hmm. having more yeah. visceral responses to it so that would be that would be one small way of trying to What we're saying is God himself is committed to bringing those who have tasted death into life. So we're looking for these portals in scripture, Mm. these life portals. And and the book of John would be one of them. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah, it'd be really helpful for a lot of our listeners. Just taking it to the next step, Ed, uh, what are are some practical ways that people who are listening, if they've experienced trauma, what are some practical ways that they can live out of their trauma and into the person that God's made them to be? Yeah, you're identifying two things, and I think both steps are important. One is, how do you presently answer the question, well, who are you? Or how do you think God sees who you are? How do other people see who you are? What is the basic identity that as you watch yourself live, what do you live out of? Uh, and and if you if you avoid things in your life, uh, and trauma is something we can avoid, avoiding and hiding are very are, are very similar phenomena. And, and if we hide, then what are we going to do? We're going to live life seeking to hide that ugliness, that ugly identity that we think is ultimately there. So so the first thing you're talking about is let's take that hard look and what. How have you been shaped by that brush with death? How have you been shaped by it? it? You can't help but not be shaped by it. How have you been shaped by it? So that's that's the first question. Where, where, where do you hide? Where do you despair? How do you answer the question? Who am I? How does God see you? Um, so that's the first part. Then the second is, is there an alternative to that? What are What are the possibilities that that we can aspire to. So that's only a start, but it, it's it's a very, very hopeful start. I trying to identify, here's the present shape that I live out of. Uh, here's the present identity I live out of. And here are the ones that are available to me. Mm. Um, to simply know that there are alternatives out there and then to, and to let the Holy Spirit sort of persuade you. And, and when you say, no, that one's not for me, or, well, what you're going to find is the Holy Spirit is gentle, but persistent. He's going to come back and, and try it again. Let me speak more personally. Is, is I, I was thinking about getting together during our time now, Pete. I, I was thinking, what, what are the images? What are the, what, what's the identity that I aspire to? Or what are the identities? Mm-hmm. It's really identities, because when, when God speaks to us and says, you are, he has lots of answers to that particular yeah. question, not just yeah. not just one. Uh, and and I think you know this. One of the one of the identities that I have tried to wear for a few years now is is I am a priest. Yeah. And I mean that seems that seems old fogeyish. It seems white robes and long beards and things. Uh, but but a priest is a very early identity. And, and, and Pete, you've written about this as well. Eden is a tabernacle. Mm. Eden is God's house. And if you know the Old Testament, wherever there's God's house, there's going to be God's priests. Because yeah. they were the ones who worked in God's house. The, the, the job of a priest 
is to work in God's house and be close to God. Now, there are other job descriptions, but that's one I've been trying to inhabit more over the past couple of years, that I am a priest of God. I am, I am I'm a saint. That, that's the word that we find in the Old Testament. I mean, the New Testament a bit more, which is another way of saying, here's who I am. God wants me. I, I am a priest of God. He is the one who called me to be close to himself. That's his thing, not mine. It's his, it's his calling in my life, and he wants it. He wants to be close to his people. He desires to be close to his people. It's sort of natural to our relationships. I, last night, my wife and I were watching, watching a, uh, a show together, and we we're sitting on a sofa, and we were a little bit apart, but I always had to touch her no matter what, as if you know, there was this kind of electrical current that was going to be broken. The cosmic, <laughs> his cosmic circuit was going to be disrupted if I didn't touch her. And it's all, it was all natural, but it's, everybody can understand that, that, that in, in the best of relationships, we just want to touch the person. We want to come closer. And we have that experience because it is the things that are really strong in who God is, they break through into our reality. Mm-hmm. They, they break through into the world. And all human beings, when there's love, they want to be close. And that is an expression of the very character of God. So what I'm doing is I'm just giving a sample. Of once we move into scripture, what, what are some of the possibilities? Well, we are, we are people who have been invited to be very, very close to him. Mm. And Peter says that Christ died, you know, the, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring us to God. That was, that was his thing. Mm. Uh, forgiveness of sins... And his own death, going into death on our behalf, was so we could be close to him. Mm. So I guess I realized I'm just riffing on, on one particular image in Scripture. And there are all kinds of other ones. We are royalty. We are children. Um, uh, one of the other ones I'm, I aspire to is I want to grow up to be a servant of God. Because only the, uh, the really cool people are called servants. Abraham was a servant. Job was a servant. <laughs> And, and I want, to, I want yeah. to be able to try that on a little bit more. Or here's, here's another variation. This is just a variation of priest of God. I want to be a friend who is a really fine walking partner for the Lord. Mm. That's, that's what the priest did. Uh, you know, the, the priest walked with God. Mm. God would come to his house, and they would go, they would go on walks together. Mm. That's an identity. It, it's mm. a priest-friend, and a friend is a walking partner. friend is... Someone you just feel comfortable with, you share your life with. You, there's not this self-consciousness. There's not this, mm. what is my friend going to think about me? Now, all we're doing, I realize, is, is we're, you, you know, you, you set us up to who are we? That's there's probably death attached to mm. that answer. Yeah. And 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 how has God called us to live in Him? What are the identities that He's given us? That's those are the two questions that we would like to just just be part of who we are in our conversations together for the rest of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. So just segueing now, it's be the closing kind of question for us today just to consider, how do we practically and helpfully walk with someone who's experiencing or has experienced trauma? It's a, it's a nice kind of question for us to finish on, given you, t- you talked about our calling to be someone who walks with God. Well, how do we walk with other people? Uh, who are going through trauma? I think of a few things. If you're walking with somebody 
who's experienced trauma, it means that you're a friend and that person is willing to speak of their life with you. They're, they're willing to, to reveal those places that feel very dark to them. So if somebody is walking along, what do you do? You say, thank you a lot. Thank you for entrusting you to me. It's not you're entrusting a, you know, a dog for the weekend. Um, uh, you're entrusting you to me. So, so that's one thing that, that we can do as friends. We can say, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, second thing would be, and there are variations on the question. One question could be, how can I pray for you? Another question would be, how can we pray, given what you're saying? And another way would be, and sometimes I default to this, this is the way I am going to pray. Given what you're saying, this is the way I'm going to pray. And, and that seems like such a small thing, but you are breaking down the partition, mm -hmm. that, that, that partition that keeps trauma from being able to hear good news. And, right. and you are remembering reality with the person with a simple response let's pray and and then imagine that the question are you able to pray for example i might say to a person the things that you've just said are so so important and here's here's what your lord says to you pour out your heart to him pour out your heart and you've just been doing that would you be able to say some of those things would you able to, could you give a condensed version of that mm. to the lord who hears us but he likes to hear it from you directly. Yeah. You know, those are those are those are very small things, but but they're they're beautiful things. They're potent, they're powerful ways of allowing life to begin to pour in where there was once death. Yeah, that's great. Ed, one of the things we uh, regularly do at the end of uh, Restore Ministries podcast is uh, give the person that we're talking to the opportunity to read a scripture uh, relevant to the discussion that we've been having. So uh, is there one that kind of stands out to you that um, maybe you can just clue us in to why it stands out to you and then read it for us? The, the one that, that first comes to mind, Pete, is I'm thinking of a you are passage hmm. where God says you are, you are. Um, uh, then we can respond with I am. Uh, and one of the beauties, which is so crammed, is the First Peter chapter 2, verse 9 where he's speaking to people who, who are familiar with darkness and death and, and devastation. And this is what he says to them. You are a chosen race. It's I mean, any one of these. Who are you? God says to you, you are chosen. In other words, he, he's not rolling his eyes because he's stuck with us. He's chosen us from the foundation of the world. You are a chosen race. Then, in alluding to that priesthood that I mentioned, you're not just a priesthood, but you are a royal priesthood. Mm. Uh, you are your offspring of the king, which makes you royalty. You, you live in God's house because God has made you holy. Then, what else does Peter say? You are a holy nation. A holy nation is, that's really, holy is really a, word of distance that unclean is far away holy is very very close holy uniquely belongs to god i am yours and you are mine is the sort of song of solomon expression of it you're who are you you're a chosen race a royal priesthood a holy nation a people for his own possession in other words you're not 
You don't belong to anybody else. You don't belong to darkness. You belong to me. And, and notice, notice this. He's, he's brought us to himself so we can proclaim with him the excellencies of Christ who has called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So that's First Peter 2.9. It is, it's a kind of beacon that, that reminds us there is, mm. there is an identity for us to grow in. It is a beauty. Mm. So rich. Uh, God is uh, incredibly kind to us and gracious to us, isn't he, to bring us in that close, uh, restore us and, and redeem us. It's beautiful. Well, thanks for joining us today, Ed. Uh, we've had a, uh, a great uh, conversation. I appreciate the thoughts and the wisdom that you've thrown in for us. This brings our Restored Ministries uh, podcast to a close. Thanks for joining us, mate, and uh, hopefully we'll talk again soon. Enjoy thinking about these things with you. Yeah, thanks, Pete. Thank you for listening to the Restore Ministries Australia podcast. If today's episode was a blessing to you and you would like to support our ministry, please visit www.restoreministries.com.au forward slash donate. Every generous donation is used to further equip and serve the broader church and see people restored to true humanity. Or if you'd like to access further articles, videos and resources, please visit our website, restoreministries.com.au and head to our resources page. Restore Ministries Australia, a catalyst for Christ-centred change.